Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. I'm Marcus Grodi, your host for this program that comes to you from by the Coming Home Network International. And uh, this series of uh, discussions that I have with guests, uh, we look at our hard verses. And often it's verses that because of the particular Christian tradition that we came from, certain scriptures were difficult to explain given our particular tradition, our particular background, theology, and sometimes we either avoided or just kept those verses up on the nice shelf and never got around to looking at them because it didn't fit into our theology. And then we're going to talk about how we came to understand uh, the meaning of that verse. And in many ways, our eyes were opened to what the author of the original scripture text was trying to tell us, but we couldn't hear it because of our position uh, from which we came. Again, you can go to deepinscripture.com where you can uh, listen to all the old broadcasts of the Deep in Scripture program, or you can find out more about the Coming Home Network. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. It's a great privilege to uh, invite to today's program Deacon Alex Jones. Uh, if you'd like to know more about Alex's work, you can go to www.alexjonesministries, one long word, dot com. Uh, Deacon Alex, thank you for joining us on Deep in Scripture. The only, thing bad, about, the only thing bad about this is that I, I don't see you enough. I, I miss you. Uh, I think the last time was, I don't think it was when you were on the Journey Home program. I think it was when you were at a Deep in History conference a number of years ago in Columbus. It's the last time we were together. Ago. Many moons ago, yes. That's right. Well, it's good to be back with you. Thank you for the invitation. Well, thank you for joining us, and you are a deacon now, so I know you're real busy, and you come from a background a little bit different than mine, but both of our backgrounds had a P in the middle. You were more Pentecostal, and I was Presbyterian, and those, those two don't always uh, knit together really well in theology, and maybe what we'll demonstrate to the audience is... Um, that just an example that verses that may have been easy for you might have been hard for me as a Presbyterian and vice versa. And the, the verse you've chosen today is a good example of that. So, uh, Alex, what verse did you choose for us to look at today? Uh, from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Okay. Uh, chapter number five. And... Uh, Verse number 26. Okay. And I'm going to read it from the real Bible. All right, I'll let you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, my friend. All right. It says, um, well, just let me start at verse 25 and 26. They more or less uh, go together. Uh, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, with the washing of water by the word. Now that for me and for our particular denomination had a totally different meaning than what I've come to understand it to mean as a Catholic. We were going back to a little little further back in, in our uh, scripture. Uh, we didn't believe in baptismal regeneration. Baptism was an outward expression of an inward act of faith. You believe, you exercise faith, and then you were baptized because Jesus made it an ordinance. 
that you are to baptize. So, but the baptism had nothing to do with our sanctification, had nothing to do with our ontological change, nothing. It was just an outward expression of an inward work of grace. And so when we come to John's Gospel, chapter number 3, and verse number 5, Jesus tells Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, we never looked at baptism as being mentioned there. That that the born of water was more or less the word based on this reading in Ephesians 5 and verse 26. It's by the word that we're sanctified and by the word that we are washed and cleansed. Uh, so this was our understanding of that for, for many years. Not until I became Catholic did I begin to understand it. Okay, let's, let's address that a little bit because there, there are some of our audience, I'm assuming, who, because of their background, may not realize the historical background between your more Pentecostal background, I'm guessing, and I don't know this for sure, Alex, but probably a large percentage of, of uh, those in your background were not very familiar with the long history of the church and or the reason, for example, that, I mean, you might have been as a pastor, but many in the congregations weren't. Uh, why during the Reformation, when the reformers were kind of taking, of course, the pope and bishops and the church off center, that also meant setting aside the priesthood. It also put a challenge to the issue of sacraments. So the whole idea of that baptism did something had lost all of its connection to church and to priesthood and the sacraments and all that. So we end up with a, a theology of baptism that really follows more Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5, and 6. In other words, these new people were converted by the apostles as adults. And so, of course, they would be baptized. And so Acts gives an image of baptism as this external sign. Yes, and we believe that because it was like an initiation into the body. You were baptized, now you are a Christian. This is a sign that you believe. This is a sign that you have received. This is a sign that you've been born again. And so it was like an initiation into the body. We didn't think that the waters of baptism did anything to the person being baptized. We just, In fact, in our formula, we would say, uh, in the obedience of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we didn't see that, that, that there was any efficacy in baptism at all. And so this is one of the scriptures that we use yeah. to support our view. When the Bible speaks of washing and water, he's speaking either of the Spirit or of the Word of God cleansing us. Never did we believe or never did we accept that it was through the waters of baptism that one is sanctified and one is cleansed from their sin. So, for example, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it would say, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It wasn't that Pentecostals didn't believe that we are changed. It's just that it didn't happen in baptism. Exactly, exactly. So when we say we, if, well, I'm a new creation through my faith, through my confession, going back to Romans 10 and 9, 
if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, then I shall be saved. So that's what that's the moment I become a new creation, not when I go through the waters of baptism. Now I'm going to throw one other. I'm going to throw one other verse out at you, (laughs) and that's uh, because I want to know then. Okay, then what did you Pentecostals do with First Peter chapter three verse twenty one when? Uh, Peter says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who who has gone into heaven. It goes on. Would that have been a difficult verse for you as a Pentecostal? Not really, because we didn't read it like that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We, we didn't read that, 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 that we were saved through the waters of baptism. We used that, that, that but Peter was using uh, uh, an, an analogy that like Noah was saved. Therefore, we are saved also, but not through the waters of baptism. That was heresy. <laughs> but you see, that's... You had to believe in the word. But you see, that is such a great example, isn't it? I mean, your, your particular theology... Um, really came before the scripture itself in a way, because exactly. you had a theology on baptism, what it was, what it wasn't, what the spirit did, what the receiving of the word did, what it means to believe that changes us. You had that theology. And then when you get to a verse like first Peter, where it says by your baptism, you're saved. Well, no, it can't mean that it's got to mean what our church believes. Exactly, exactly. Uh, So powerful was the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we separated it from the baptism in water. And really the early church from the earliest times have said the two go exactly together. It was washed and saved by the water and the Spirit. But we had separated that. So therefore, baptism was only an initiation into the church. It had no real power. Well, then tell us, talk to us about how you came to see it differently. As I begin to read the church fathers, of course, they stress Eucharist and they stress baptism. Yeah. Well, the scriptures they use, I begin to read and reread. And behold, there it was, like in Titus chapter 3, that the grace of our God appeared to us, teaching us to deny ungodly and worldly lusts, and that we have been renewed through uh, uh, the waters of regeneration. Well, again, we thought that's the Holy Spirit, you know, (laughs) that's not. But when the Father said, no, this is the water of baptism, we're regenerated the waters of baptism, then I've been to consider and go back over all of those scriptures that I'd read, and they just leapt out of the scriptures, out of the Bible. Wow, this is what they meant. Now I understand. When I read Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 and discovered that, what Paul was saying was that through the words that were spoken at baptism, that it's the cleansing waters of baptism, energized and spiritualized by the baptism of Jesus himself. And that in these waters, that the waters take on a cleansing effect, that the waters, and we would always respond, we're washed by the blood of the lamb. But it's, oh my God. We are washed by the blood of the Lamb, but through the instrumentality of water. You know that I hadn't really thought of it this way before, Alex, but, you know, in the Eucharist, you and I, and you're a deacon, but still, you and I can't 
we've not been given the graces and the gifts, uh, even if we said the words for the body and blood to become the, the true presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that gift has been granted to the priesthood. But in baptism, when we say the words if, of the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know, we can baptize. And a new a person become a, a true creation. And it isn't you or me, it's the words. The words, yes, yes. And any lay person can baptize. In fact, they don't even have to be a Christian, but if they baptize with the intent uh, of baptism, then it is valid. What about the people that say, wait a second, you guys are making baptism into something magical. <laughs> no, God uses material things to give his grace. And you find that even in the Old Testament. So it's not something that we as Catholics have created or made up. It has always been true that, that God deals with us in the physical realm. He gives us his graces through physical signs. Yeah, you know, I mean, that reminds me, if I look back at my Presbyterian background, you know, we didn't, there are different Presbyterian views, different Calvinist mm -hmm. views. And there were some that had more of a baptismal regeneration perspective, others that did. I was a more evangelical perspective. So I emphasize just like you, it's through our faith and that baptism was a, a, a sign of that. We, a parents could dedicate their child to God like a vow, but, but had a difficult time with the idea that baptism did anything. And, but as I looked later, I realized the irony of that because as a Presbyterian, I wanted to emphasize that everything was grace. Everything was of God. I didn't do anything. It was all by grace. Well, if I, if I can believe that, then why can't I believe that God would choose through the waters of baptism to give that grace? Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a contradiction because the, the, the recognition that our Lord Jesus that recognizes our humanity that needs physical things. God gives us these physical things that there's a, it's like in that Old Testament story, was it Naaman? They had to yes. go down and wash in the waters. Yes. Remember, he didn't want to go in that dirty water. That was a type of baptism, wasn't it? Yeah. Going into water and being cleansed through the agency of water. Yeah, surrendering, a total surrendering of, of ourselves. Doing God's will, yes, absolutely. Let me ask you one other thing, because this has been excellent, uh, Alex. Um, in coming into the Catholic Church, did you have to leave your Pentecostalism behind? <laughs> I tell everyone where I go, I'm still Pentecostal, but I'm a Pentecostal Catholic. Yeah. And back, they say I preach when I preach at masses on weekends. I preach Catholic with a Pentecostal accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, the. No, I cannot deny what I am, Marcus. The. Uh, just a second here, I lost my, my earpiece here. Uh, the. I, I loved you to say, hear that, but I also wanted to emphasize in that that when we when we enter from our past, the way the Lord touched us uh, with those great people that brought you to Christ years ago, same thing with me, long before we ever, uh, by grace, were introduced to the Catholic faith. 
it's the same God that's been guiding through great people. And so by coming Catholic, it isn't an, a, a matter of abandoning one past for a new one. It's recognizing the continuity of the way our Lord's guiding us. And I think, for example, particularly your background, the Pentecostal, is reminding us of the, the very deep uh, work of the Holy Spirit in the Catholic Church that sometimes we take for granted. Exactly. In fact, I'm doing a study on that now, the history of the baptism into the Holy Spirit in the Church. And uh, it has always been there. I mean, spiritual activities, charisms, charisms of the Holy Spirit have always been there. They've never gone away. But uh, a lot of Catholics don't know about it. And God likes to build on what you know and lead you into something that is a little bit deeper than what you have received. I'd just like to add this, Marcus. I don't know how much time we have left. But when I was a Catholic working for the Archdiocese of Detroit, we would go from door to door and knock on doors and invite people to come to the local parish. And I remember one house we knocked on the door and this guy came to the door and um, I introduced myself. He introduced himself. And he was a Church of God in Christ pastor. Yeah. And of course, I was pleasantly surprised. And I said, great. And I said, but I'm Catholic now. And I said, no, I've been reading and studying the faith. And I learned that the faith was much bigger than what I had thought it was. Well, his wife was standing behind him. And she stepped from around the corner. And she said, you know, oh, you switched, huh? And I said, no, I didn't switch. I grew. <laughs> so what I am, I am. But I've grown in the understanding of that. I've grown to understand the full life, the interior life, the devout life. Uh, what I began to do in, as a Pentecostal has now expanded and grown. And so, yeah, I haven't changed. I'm still Pentecostal, but now I have a much broader view of the Christian faith. I, uh, I appreciate that so much. I, I know in my own journey, one of the things that I found is that Often in the Protestant background, because of the battles of the Reformation, mm -hmm. people were ended up on, on like two corners of a boxing match. It, it was either this or that, either or, either or. And if my journey into the Catholic faith was recognizing the beauty, the mystery of the both and. Yes. And even in the verse we just looked at, you, it wasn't just now baptism and not the Holy Spirit. It's both yes. and. Yes. That's the point of it. And you as a Pentecostal would emphasize more of the Holy Spirit. I as a Presbyterian emphasize another aspect, but there really is. The grace aspect of it. But they're both and. There really yes. are both and. Yes, yes. That's a beautiful saying, Marcus, and that is true. Uh, Deacon Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the program. What, it's over? Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that means we're going to have you back sometime, all right, my friend? Anytime, Marcus, anytime. All right. Thank you so much, Deacon Alex Jones. Uh, again, if you want to know more about his work, go to alexjonesministries.com. And uh, you can listen to us at chnetwork.org. You can check us out on Facebook. We appreciate you watching and listening. And if you have any questions, please send them to questions at deepinscripture.com. God bless you. See you again next week.